Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome to the Pants Party. I am Harrison Starr, aka Boilerhawk, hosting this week after a lovely Iowa win over Miami of Ohio. I am joined on my left by Ben Ross. Ben, how are you doing? You know, I'm pretty good. You know, we're just coming off of a long weekend in the desert. I was in Scottsdale, Arizona. Got to enjoy some sunshine. Got to bask in the glory of the Iowa win among my very uh, many comrades at, with the Iowa Phoenix Watch Club at the fine Hi-Fi Bar and Grill in Old Town Scottsdale. We, we travel deep, my man Harrison. There, This is a Hawkeye country. That bar was packed full of Hawkeye fans out in the desert and uh, couldn't made a lot of friends there and uh, couldn't have asked for a better time. Better uh, Iowa played pretty well. Um, got to enjoy some sunshine and some Hawkeye winds and some golf. Can't complain, really. That is fantastic, Ben. Uh, very jealous. I myself spent the better part. Oh, I guess uh, as we start talking, we are without Max. He uh, dried out up on a lake in Minnesota on his way down today, so it is just the two of us. Uh, but I spent the better part of uh, my Saturday down in Fayetteville uh, tailgating, and let me tell you, it is. So much different tailgating in uh, SEC country. Uh, it is, I mean, it's not like I was better or worse. It's just different. Everyone is out. Uh, the men are in polo shirts. If you saw that fight between oh, yeah, uh, that was good. The, <laughs> the North Carolina and South Carolina fans, a lot of polos throwing haymakers, quote unquote. Um, but uh I think I'll have to get an Arkansas polo so that I can fit in uh, as I continue. So, made some friends as well. Uh, Will be welcomed back, hopefully. Uh, Just a matter of if the team is worth uh, going back to uh, tailgate for is really kind of the question. But you're not here to listen to us talk about Arkansas football. Uh, You are here to listen to us talk about Iowa football. Um, So, we're going to kind of try and keep this short. We have three things we like, three things we don't. And then one thing we want to see going forward. Um, so, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. What was uh, the first thing that you really liked out of the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, this week? I think the the easiest thing to pick out, my favorite thing, was just the balance we saw in offense. 213 rushing yards, 252 passing yards. We had 26 first downs total, 13 through the air, 11 on the ground, and uh, two were from penalties. I think uh, letting Makai Sargent really take the reins in at running back um, really, really opened up things for Nate Stanley and the rest of this offense. It allowed Torignon to do his own thing when uh, he was able to get in the game. Even seeing Torignon at fullback for a couple of plays was pretty awesome. I think, um, and then obviously, you know, Nate Stanley hit 10 different receivers and he, uh, between the three touchdowns he threw were through were four, th- uh, were two, three different receivers as well. So, you know, uh, Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson, who we've got three more than capable wide receivers on the roster. It looks like right now, and 
Makai Sargent showed flashes of Akram Wobbly, in my opinion, and that's um, was really the most reassuring thing to me to see one guy take over at running back and have somebody who Nate Stanley can rely on in the running game and have um, hands as well and make make things happen through the air. And I think that's going to be the most uh, potent uh, avenue for to get this offense um, clicking uh, as a Big Ten season wears on. Is <clears throat> we can't just rely on receivers and we can't really. Last year, you know, it was tough. The running back by committee never really worked. And narrowing it down to one and a half guys, let's say, between Makai Sargent, Torin Young, and maybe a little bit of Tyler Goodson in there um, is really, really reassuring to me. Yeah, you mentioned Makai Sargent, and it's it's kind of crazy to see him lead in both rushing and receiving yards. I feel like the last yeah, time nuts. that would have happened was maybe uh, the Michigan game. Uh, for Adam Wadley. Wadley in 2016, yeah. also coming to mind is potentially the 2017 game against Penn State. Both games were very low yardage um, for the Iowa Hawkeyes as a whole. Um, contrast it to this, where they had over 400 yards offense. Um, and I think, ultimately, you, ta- you take that output. You're, you're, we're Hawkeye fans. We're used to something in the low 300s. Um, so anytime you get above... 400 it feels like a good thing but it it it, to your credit or to your point um Nate Stanley he dished the ball all over the place I think they said 10 receivers caught a pass um 10 receivers yeah and that that's good to see especially um oh I can't why can't I say his name all of a sudden Makai Makai Sargent (laughs) my god my god (laughs) So uh, to, to me, that kind of leads into the one I did like. I liked the wide receivers. Um, not necessarily the, the number one thing I liked the most, but I think that it was very nice to see, okay, these guys are maybe not the real deal, but they're more than warm bodies, which is kind of what's been, been in that room uh, once you kind of get down the depth chart, um, just because uh, Nick Easley was great, but... You know, Brandon Smith and ISM both had some work to do. Uh, couldn't go much deeper than that. Um, and then you, but you contrast it with this year. Boom, you got five guys. Three of them are uh, got the touchdown passes. Uh, saw a nice little tunnel screen, which was fun. Um, but having two guys that, hey, we can go get a fade route with. I mean, to me, that was kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, they were drawing uh, penalties, ISM was. Um, but there are also a couple missed ones, too. So I, I think that, um, of course, Nate Stanley can get better on those downfield throws. Um, he wouldn't say he couldn't. Bad, triple negative or whatever. Um, but ultimately, like, you take that type of downfield performance, in my opinion, in my opinion, um, so the wide receivers I really liked, um, and, and I think the thing that maybe stuck out was that none of them stuck out. They all just seemed like the bar was raised um, from that perspective. Yeah, I was, I mean, I think I was obviously great moment. Alvin Martin's first catch ever as a Hawkeye was for a touchdown. Like, can't ask for anything better than that. Um, the The touchdowns that he caught, that the touchdowns that Martin and Brandon Smith caught were almost identical just fades in the corner of the end zone, both on the left side of the field, uh, which is great. If he can do that all season long, try and stop at everybody else. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset's touchdown catch, the tunnel screen in the red zone was a thing of absolute beauty. 
and I really, really liked him getting work. He had four catches, only for 35 yards, but I think, you know, he's been put in a drawer at times the past couple of years, and I, I've said it every single podcast, I think we've done this leading up to the season, is that he's my favorite player on the team, probably most dynamic playmaker, and I think getting him momentum early, and especially with, you know, Oliver Martin coming in and people thinking that he might take some of his touches, um, showing that he is still going to be a very important piece of this offense is really important. And I, um, I'm just, I was just super happy with the way he played. And uh, he's just he just showed an extra. He, sh- he showed some more pep in his step than I'd seen before. I think he will still might be Iowa's most dynamic playmaker if um, unless Makai Sargent proves otherwise. But this offense, I mean, I think I was most ne- I was the person who was the most down on this offense, especially the receiving uh, core going into the season. And uh, I'm going to get old takes exposed, hopefully, uh, by all the dumb shit I was saying about how concerned I was by Iowa's receiving core. Um, I know, obviously, it's against Miami of Ohio, but I couldn't ask for much more, really. Nate Stanley, 21 of 30. Um, he had a QBR of over 80. I think off the top of my head, you know, I think only two, two, he had two drops, I think, so that could have gone up to 21, 21 of thir- or 23 of 30. Um, and people are, you know, are bitching in the comments about there was one overthrow or underthrow of, of Nico Regani where it would have been a touchdown had he put perfect touch on it. But I mean, every nobody's perfect. Every quarterback um, misses some throws, and it wasn't uh, at an entirely consequential moment or anything. Um, and then the run, the bootleg from, or not even a bootleg, it was a design draw play, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was the um, read zone that they did, uh, which or zone read, which was kind of crazy. And when I went back and rewatched the game, they had called the zone read maybe just a little bit before it. So it, it really, you know, that that was one of those moments where, oh, hey, Brian, I, I see what you're doing on the rewatch. I didn't like it live mm-hmm. necessarily, but um, mm-hmm. that was something that the second time I went through, mainly just kind of shooting through the offense. You know, you can kind of see a little more cohesion instead of just like, oh, that immediate frustration of of what Brian Ferentz is trying to do. Yeah, uh, I mean, overall, what what grade would you give Brian Ferentz? Um, for uh, I guess it's for me, it's interesting because I'm not quite sure what to give him. I think overall, it was probably. A solid B. Um, I wouldn't necessarily equate a B to uh, um, what was it? The New England's next offensive coordinator. I almost feel like that would be a higher grade than uh, head coach in waiting for Iowa um, with our Spoko brethren. But I would mm-hmm. say a solid B. I think so too. And it's like, how could he have gotten an A? I mean, we would have had to score like eighty points, but then. I mean, whatever, he just, he did, I mean, he exceeded my expectations, um, and obviously, you know, having guys who, certainly we've got more than one playmaker on the team, certainly makes his job look a lot easier, too. Um, if we can just be doing this all season long, like, I see no reason why we can't win the West. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of what's interesting to me, because I was trying to think about what would have made me feel really good about a Brian Ferentz coached game. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, ultimately, like, I just didn't really see anything different than what I had before. There was a little bit of stuff, but not so much, you know? Um, and, and I think if maybe they get to 50 points or, 
instead of having 10 first half points, they get to 28 or even 21. Um, I think I probably would have felt a little more comfortable with like an A. Um, but just for me, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's such a steep curve. And I've said this in the comments. I just, I don't know what would have made me feel awesome about this offense outside of like huge changes. Like if they came out and they were in the pistol formation, that would have been like, whoa, to me, that would have been something (laughs) where it's like, like this is a real change that they're making and they're trying to do it. But, um, you know, it was a lot of what we've seen with Brian before against lesser competition. Um, and in a week where a lot of teams were struggling against, you know, group of five or FCS teams, Iowa didn't really. Uh, so, you know, you take your first, ha- your, fir- your win in the first game and you just kind of sprint to week two. That, that That's kind of my feeling on that. Yeah. Um, We'll talk about week two in a second here. I want to go go over a little bit. Um, offensive line, obviously, Lark Jackson going down uh, in the first quarter. I at the time uh, I had already been a couple of beers deep, but I thought you know that was end of the season for sure. It looked a lot worse in real time, I think, than obviously is able to walk off the field under, under his own power. And we, and we learned today, um, or we learned a couple days ago that. He's he's only gonna be out for like a couple of weeks, we think, uh, which is really really great. And I really really liked seeing they moved Tristan Wirfs over to the left side, right, and then they got Levi Paulson back to right tackle, where he's actually most experienced. Um, he's played more right tackle. He started more games at right tackle than he has a guard, right, uh, over his four year career so far. Um, I'm not sure if it's the, necessarily more starts, but he's definitely played there a smidge more uh, than inside. Okay. Um, and it, it really, I mean, obviously, again, it's Miami of Ohio, but the offensive line uh, was not a concern at all um, for me. Uh, Linderbaum, you, you said you were really impressed with him. You said you had keyed in on him a little bit. I can't say that I did, but um, if he if he's able to, you know, be the anchor of that that, that interior line, then um, I mean, is it bullies of the big time bullies of the Big Ten time again? I think he's going to kind of drive it. Um, it's interesting because I think when we talk about the Iowa offensive line, it's kind of weird because like 2015 and even 2016 were pretty good run blocking lines, whereas you know, kind of the last two years, not so much. And it's like, well, is it because we had five really good guard type uh, offensive linemen on those 2015 and 2016 teams, and that's kind of gone away now? Um, but I think it's back a little bit. I think having uh, a guy like Linderbaum is going to be a huge deal. Uh, you saw him downfield all the time. It sounds like that's something that he does uh, quite a bit in practice. So um, He was pulling a little bit too, right? Yeah, I mean, they were pulling him. They were getting him in space on that screen pass uh, that they connected on on 3rd and 16, which is a good play call. Um, yeah, I can't I mean, remember... Did Iowa did Iowa have a center pull at all last year? I don't remember Iowa having a pulling center consistently since uh, James Daniels. Yeah, I think you'd have to go back to Daniels for that um, because last that, year no, there wasn't much of it. That that is super great. I think really opens up uh, the creativity you can in the run game from our former run game coordinator and Brian Ferentz. So uh, that was really awesome to see. 
Um, and, and then I think they, Mark Morehouse said that we had three different offensive line combinations throughout the game. Um, three main I'm, ones, I think it was. I think it got yeah. up to maybe six, but yeah, it was three that they really honed in on. And I'm totally fine with that, man. Uh, if we want to get, I know after the starters outside of Linderbaum, it was all, it's all pretty much underclassmen and, um, getting them as much playing time as we can. I think Ban Wart got some time in a tackle, I think. And, uh, I've always, or not Ban Wart, um, God, who's the other one? Ince, right? Cody Ince. Cody Ince, yeah. Uh, Ban Wart was at guard. Uh, just getting him out there, getting all these guys out there, getting them all reps is only going to help as the Big Ten season goes on. And obviously, you know, offensive line is a ding-dong position. If we can get these guys out there, get them uh, battle-tested, uh, sky's the limit, really. Yeah, I, I think it, it's good to see these guys get real reps because, I mean, you can do stuff in uh, practice, but seeing it happen in a game and nothing really drop off when, you know, I mean, you think that, Jackson's the better between Jackson and Worfs, and I'm liable to agree, uh, at least kind of at the college level, you know what you're getting out of a, a left tackle. Um, we'll see how Worfs does. Um, hopeful that Jackson gets back by the Michigan game. That's kind of what I'm targeting uh, just in my head, but um, maybe he gets back before it and is, is ready to go. Um, so yeah, uh, the other person worth mentioning is Justin Britt, a true freshman tore his ACL this time last year, enrolled at Iowa early, and uh, really just, wow. I mean, to, to see him have just one camp and, and get playing time as a true freshman, I think is really interesting. Uh, curious if he gets to that five-game mark where um, the red shirt does come off, but I almost kind of think that it won't. Uh, this feels like a play where they're trusting that Jackson and worse are going to leave early for the NFL. So let's get the next guy who might leave early for the NFL in there, um, especially against a team like Miami where you feel comfortable um, playing a freshman lineman. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at Tristan Wirfs right now. Um, he, I mean, getting his time in at offensive line. Justin Britt's got good size, 6'5, 290. And, um, Really, I mean, yeah, just excited. It's you're, you're right. He wasn't on. I don't think he was on anybody's radar on any of the two deeps or anything going into the season. And um, you know, being able to keep him uh, away from the media and then have him come out and show that he can be a Big Ten offensive lineman. Uh, you know, why not? I'm all 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 about offensive line depth. Um, those are some of the things I. Were noticed, you know, Michael Media's interception was good. I think it was kind of just thrown right at him. Overall, I was a little disappointed with the way the safeties played. Um, the secondary, I mean, Matt, Matt Hankins, I think, got burned two or three times, which I was just kind of really disappointed to see. But um, I think it's all fixable things, really. Yeah, the the one thing I do want to add in terms of things that I did like, um, I guess, was the first down formations in the second half uh, I went back to the game pseudo charted it and really kind of the big difference was in the first half just three out of the 14 first downs that Iowa had they were in shotgun but then you look at um, what they did in the second half seven out of 19 times I, I think with a guy like Sargent he's really that do it all back as we talked about a little before um, 
he can help out in pass protection. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. I think he might even be better running out of the shotgun than uh, just as that single back or in an eye formation. So t- to me, that was something because it also, you know, it just kind of clear it to your earlier point. It just shows balance. And, and to me, that's where Iowa needs to trend to is constantly showing balance. And I actually think Nate Stanley might be a little better out of uh, the shotgun too. That That's just kind of my sense as well. Yeah, it gives him more time to just, or just a better view view of the field, and more time to step up and uh, use all of his arm strength uh, to get the ball where it needs to be. Uh, I, I was, I was really, really, I was most nervous for Nate Stanley this season going into the year, even more so than the running backs. And again, one game against Miami of Ohio, Miami the lesser, but I mean, what do you want from him? Thirty out of thirty. Uh, I think there was really only one pass that he threw a little behind Regani that I was really upset about at the time. But everything else, um, I just you know he's got to be he must be a leader. The team obviously rallies around him and uses him as their um, you know their captain, their quarterback. That's my quarterback, and uh, I don't think you can really put a price on what he brings to just the team as a as a leader and um, a quarterback. Yeah, and I think for from Nate Stanley's perspective, it, it's always interesting because, like, you see what happened with Jalen Hurts, and not all that accurate in Alabama comes out twenty twenty three, lights the world on fire last night. Um, so that was like kind of interesting to see, but like we're not going to get that at Iowa. We just aren't. Um, I don't think that this staff necessarily knows how to coach up those types of skills as a quarterback and they are hyper focused on um making sure that the quarterback can be like that 11th coach out on the field or I guess 12th coach out on the field since there are 10 assistants plus Kirk um to me that's just kind of where their focus is with um having a quarterback he has gotten better uh between last or excuse me between 2017 and 2018 we we won't see if he's gotten better until uh games later in this season because he's just got he's done this before against competition like this um so that's kind of why where i kind of come back to that b rating it's like well what could have been an a like i guess maybe a jalen hurts types of thing where they're flinging it all over the place but um ultimately good news on that front um and and then I guess kind of the other thing I do want to add in terms of something I did like the overall defensive philosophy it's just the classic bend not break um of course they did give up a couple touchdowns the both kind of going after Iowa's safeties and coverage um but ultimately it was you know kind of what you see out of an Iowa defense they only allowed 245 yards, 11 first downs, 24 minutes of possession. Would have liked to see maybe another turnover or two, but they just kept everyone in front of them. And uh, to Gabbert's credit, he was pretty good at taking what I was giving him. It's just that they made him go a long way. They couldn't, and uh, they were able to kind of execute the game plan, so to speak. Yeah, I guess um, on the defensive line, or I mean on the defense overall, my biggest gripe or concern, and it's not even that big of a concern, is just, you know, A.J. Epinesa got shut down. 
is if he's able to get shut down by Mamma of Ohio, I mean, how do you expect him to play the rest of the Big Ten season? Yeah, that was also something I had in kind of my dislikes as we shift that way. Like, I would have liked to see more sacks. <laughs> you know, I mean, to, yeah. to your point. Like, we, we have these Ferraris, right? I mean, I think we all kind of think that there's a ton of talent up there, and ultimately it was just because there weren't many plays run by Miami of Ohio. We didn't see much rotation. We didn't see necessarily a lot of third down passing situations. We didn't see many, um, maybe just one or two stunts. Um, I think overall that's going to be where Phil Parker is going to get Pay, like get paid this year is how can he free up Epinesa because at some point you it's nice when your star players help free up other guys to make plays but when kind of the rubber hits the road you're going to want your star players to make plays um so I think you know part of it was just hey this is a young quarterback let's make him make stakes and really he didn't except for that one late turnover um so I think that was kind of where it came from. Uh, but overall, like, I mean, I think they only allowed 70 yards rushing, if I uh, looked that up. Yes, yeah, 50 yard, 59 yards rushing, which, you know, you, you kind of take every day. Um, so uh, ultimately, it's, it's easy to nitpick, I guess, uh, a defensive performance like that. Yeah, super easy. And... Uh, yeah, again, a little disappointed by the way the safeties played. You said, you mentioned earlier off pod that, um, I went kind of away from the, the nickel packages and more to our traditional four, three. Um, I mean, it's fine. It feels good. Do it. It seems like it worked. We didn't really need to do anything creative, um, on the defense, I suppose, especially as, you know, as we grew our lead. So maybe I will give Phil Parker the benefit of the doubt where maybe he was hiding some blitz packages or hiding some other coverages and formations for when we might really need them later on down the road. Um, but yeah, I think Christian Welch played a pretty good game. Jimon Colbert probably was, um, he was all over the place. He probably was a linebacker I was most impressed with and uh, I'm not surprised by that. I think he might be the most athletic linebacker uh, on the team. Um, I just feel really good about the you know the front four. We can we just talked about it's, it's tough, but you know the three behind them, and then as long as OJ Moody and Hankins can figure it out, and I think things will get there for Geno Stone. And then the I mean I think Kayvon Merriweather is going to be on a pretty short leash, just given his experience and youth. But I don't think he made any big huge mistakes other than. He was uh, he was responsible for one touchdown, but you know, other than that, like, what's the point of nitpicking here, man? I mean, I, yeah, I, I think there's a <laughs> the point of nitpickings is if we have to go and coach the guys, right? It's like, oh, here's where you all can improve. But for, I guess, our standpoint, unless we had somehow, I see on this ESPN graphic, Iowa minus twenty five. Then I would be nitpicking if I had Iowa minus twenty five, but most most of the lines I saw was twenty three. So felt like uh, <laughs> you know it, it really is kind of hard to nitpick. I, I think my point earlier about kind of going away from the cash position is um, kind of similar to finding out what you have on your offensive line. Like this felt like maybe a lab setting that Iowa could have 
you know, figured out what was a good combination of five defensive backs that you want to throw out there. Maybe put Michael Ojemudia in the the slot, um, but I guess Julius Brents is injured, so that might not open it up. Riley Moss, I think, got hurt um, during the game, so like all of a sudden, feel <laughs> feels like another thin defensive backfield. Even though we kind of always do this and feel we trust thing. Um, which I think overall, it, it, it really hasn't hurt us before um, to really just kind of trust that, hey, you know, let's just get through this week, get stuff on tape, see where we can improve and implement something for, for Rutgers. Because I do think um, kind of Rutgers is going to uh, present maybe a little more athleticism than what we saw from uh, Mike Mayock's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> um. And Blaine Grabber's brother. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, moving on to Rutgers, man. I, I know nothing about that team. I don't think I can name one player on Rutgers. Uh, you said you had done a little bit of scouting on them. Um, I know they just... I don't even know who they just beat, but I know it was close for three quarters. Um, games at home, 11 a.m., I don't think there's really an excuse to lose that game. I asked you off-pod if... I mean, how much how much more talented can they be than Miami of Ohio? And you you seem to think that they are, you know, at a one conference level above, which would make sense. But I mean, Rutgers, man, they've always been bottom of Power Five football. Yeah, uh, I think what they can do is there are really three skill guys that when I read an ESPN article that said to buy Rutgers, which I mean. Rutgers plus 20 points is probably a good bet, if we're being honest. Um, but they do have skill guys, and if we are still not where we totally trust Iowa's back seven, it feels like you get those three skill guys in space, and that could really affect Iowa, especially if we have a lot of Nick Neiman covering a quick uh wide receiver, um, or having to guard wheel routes, um, so I can see that happening, but also, um, friend of a friend, uh, kind of scouting report is that they're just soft along the lines, and their quarterback is a bit of a statue, so, um, I I think if we don't see any sacks out of um, Golston or Epinesa or even Nixon this next week, I-, I think then it might be time to start um, getting a little concerned about, all right, so we have, you know, these guys are playing full-time now. Um, w- what does that look like? Um, maybe uh, that's when we start to get a little concerned, but um, I-, I think that next week's probably when we start seeing uh, a little bit more uh, creativity from the defensive front. At least I'm hopeful uh, in that respect. Yeah, it seems like Nixon got as many reps as Brady Reef and Cedric Lattimore, more or less, right, as the game went on. Um, yeah, I think Nixon was maybe in like the 15 snap count range is what I saw. Uh, Lattimore and Reif did have uh, the large majority. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just because they only had like 52 plays overall, uh, right? So that that's kind of to be expected, I suppose. As you know, not a whole lot of 
big passing downs to get the Ferraris in there. So, um, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think that they were afraid of um, what Gabber might pose as a um, runner, maybe. So that's why they didn't get that, just kind of get everyone's feet wet in terms of contain, uh, which Iowa did do a good job of. Gabbard ended up with minus four yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So you said the line is, what, 24? I saw a line earlier for minus 20, like right when it came out. Uh, not sure where it is right now, though. I'll check real quick. But, uh, yeah, 20, I mean, sounds right, I guess, again, without having seen. Um, without having seen how Rutgers really play, let's see what we got here. Uh, minus 20 and a half is what this one place on the one internet says. Uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'd have to take it, man. I'd have to take Iowa minus 20. I'm not going to, but I'd have to take Iowa minus 20 and a half. I don't, even though the last time we played Rutgers was, we literally would have lost if it wasn't for an injury. Um, but, oh you know, that's, that was two years ago. And, um, you know, this ball club, I, I just have to be wearing rose-colored glasses right now because um, I'm really, really happy with the way the team played despite texting you afterwards saying I was incredibly disappointed. But after cooling down a bit, rewatching um, about three-quarters of the game, I, in a more um, less altered state, I feel, uh, feel a lot better about this Hawkeye ball club. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, for for posterity's sake, the three guys I was talking about was Isaiah Pacheco, Raheem Blackshear, and Bo Melton. Those are kind of the, the three guys to watch, um, especially that Blackshear looking at the stats against UMass. He had 21 total touches, nine receptions uh, for 126 yards. So, um, Pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll pose some good like threats but ultimately it should be should be all right it should be i i I just i just hate the minus 20 it just feels weird it just i hate playing a big 10 team second week of the season yeah 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 maybe that's another thing that that i'm glad it's rutgers of all teams because it's like it throws kirk ferentz in a loop kind of in my in my view like normally he's used to having a very normal three games where he regimented yeah yeah. but now having this game which more or less matters right i mean it yeah it definitely matters that matters big time game um and if we think iowa can win the big 10 this is a or win the big 10 west this is a game they have to have so Mm -hmm. um seeing how iowa comes out and plays in that regard, because um, like to me, what I do want to see more of as we go towards Rutgers, I want to see more of that shotgun in the first half. Um, I just think that that is something that we know everyone can function well. I think it gets your uh, eleven best players out on the field. Um, whether you want to do something funky like putting uh, Torn Young and Makai Sargent in the backfield with Stanley with three wide receivers. Um, or, you know, if it's just a tight end with three receivers. I mean, I think having three receivers out on the field is going to be Iowa's bread and butter. Um, so I think it's important to 
use that a lot as we go into the um, the Big Ten season, as weird as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Hard, hard, hard agree. Too early for a score prediction? Ugh. Uh, maybe 34 to 14. Something like that. 40-10. You heard it here first. Okie dokes. Yeah. Well, uh, one easy cover, potentially. One uh, non-cover. Um, <laughs> but both, hopefully, comfortable Iowa wins. Um, and if you could hear my dogs in the background, that's them telling me that it is time to end the podcast. So, um, Ben, I, out. I bid you adieu. Have a good one, boys and girls. And go Hawks. Go Hawks, fuck state.